You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Day Forefront Home Church. It's a blessing to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Mac and Diana, for opening up your home. Um, it's so beautiful to be here in this space. Thank you so much to our guests. Uh, worship has been phenomenal. Um, it's such a blessing to have you with us today. So we're continuing our uh, prayer series. My name is Reverend Vanita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm one of the co-pastors of Teaching and Community. And um, it's, it's a joy to be able to continue this series as we think about prayer changing our path. And I began to f- reflect upon prayer in my life. Um, and I thought about how many times we opened with prayer in um, one of the churches that I used to belong to. And whether it was before church, because after Sunday school, we would have prayer, or after church, when we would have the altar call after the sermon, <clears throat> sometimes you would hear whoever was preaching start off the prayer with, my soul says yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And then sometimes we'd say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. So as we open today, I'd invite you to think about the many opportunities that you were exposed to prayer as you were coming up. Do you remember learning some prayers that you had to memorize Maybe the Lord's Prayer. If you went to a Catholic church like I did, maybe the Hail Mary and the Our Father. Um, Maybe um, you were used to praying before meals. What about before you went to bed? What about before you went on trips? Well, if you were like uh, me and my church, we would have prayer all night. And they were called the prayer warriors. And uh, we'd be praying on our knees throughout the night praying for the needs of the church, the community, families. My life has been filled with prayer. Uh, In my home, uh, my mother would lead us in prayer before school um, and for many, uh, many times in our life, going away to college, all sorts of opportunities for prayer. And then I prayed at school because I went to a Catholic school and, of course, at church. 
So I wanted to open up and get us to sort of think about the many ways that you have been introduced to prayer. I'm still trying to figure out prayer after all these years, right? And that's what we're doing during this prayer series. We are still exploring prayer, right? We are a church of curiosity. We like to wonder. We like to ask questions. And we're inviting you to continue to do that as we move forward with this prayer series. Prayer can be seen as expansive, without limitations, mystical, mysterious, and chill. I believe prayer to be a powerful tool that is able to help ground us and connect us with God, with ourselves, and with each other. Prayer can also be found in nature. I remember during uh, the COVID shutdown, uh, we have a nature center near our home, and just having the opportunity to take walks and uh, be in the midst of nature was a very powerful and restorative experience. It really did something for our emotional and mental health to be able to pray in nature during the COVID shutdown. Prayer can be in the form of a conversation, a thought, a breath, movement. Prayer is connection, liberation, and depending on the context, can be very inviting or sometimes very intimidating. It's practiced, as we know, across many religions and spiritualities across the globe. Here in the US, we spend less time in houses of worship than we once did, but still regularly try to connect with the divine according to, to new research related to religion and spiritual habits. Now, this survey that we have up here is conducted by the Radiant Foundation earlier this year on the National Day of Prayer in May, and it showed that 85% of Americans participate in some kind of spiritual practice, with the most common being prayer. More than six in 10 survey respondents, that's 61%, said they pray, while 39% say they practice meditation. Millennials, how many millennials do we have in the house? Well, certainly at forefront. Um, and members of Gen Z were more likely than older adults to meditate or engage in other mindfulness practices. Skylight survey also found that respondents were nearly as likely to pray out in nature, as we just mentioned, 43% as they were to pray in their houses of worship. Now, when Jesus performed his miracle of feeding the 5,000, they were on the grass. They were in nature. And he offered a prayer of thanksgiving before breaking the bread and before feeding the crowd. Another example of Jesus praying in nature can be found in Matthew 14 and 23. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Whether it's praying to express gratitude or for a loved one in crisis or someone who is sick or someone seeking employment, many of us pray in a variety of spaces and places for a host of reasons. Many times we are seeking guidance, solace, enlightenment, comfort, peace, and trust, like David in Psalm 23. Even though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The late John O. Donahue, author of Eternal Echoes, it was a book that Phil Dickens, one of our leadership team members, um, shared with Josh and I. Phil's great for giving you books. Uh, just, I love that about Phil. But anyway, the book is called Eternal Echoes, Celtic Reflections on Our Yearning to Belong, writes, one of the most tender images is the human person at prayer. When the body gathers itself before the divine, a stillness deepens. The blaring din of distraction ceases and the deeper tranquility within the heart envelops the body. To see people at prayer is a touching sight. Amen? How many people have ever heard the PUSH acronym as it relates to prayer? PUSH. P-U-S-H-D. Pray until for for our virtual for our virtual community push pray until something happens now this is an interesting acronym right and to be honest if we think about many examples in the bible the idea is that all we need to do is push pray until something happens and we'll be good now hannah in the bible who wanted to have a child um, she wasn't able to, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she was able to conceive. And her son, Samuel, was one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, right? She pushed. She prayed until something happened. Jairus, who was a religious leader, asked for prayer for the healing of his daughter. And Jesus came, healed Jairus's daughter, and he prayed until something happened. And <clears throat> there are other examples of praying, right? I'm sure many of you have many examples where you put something before the Lord. You asked your friends to pray with you, to join you in prayer. And then the opportunity opened. You were praying for healing and you no longer were sick. You were praying for a job opportunity. You got a job. And you felt that it was a blessing, and it is a blessing when prayer is answered and when things that you have been praying about come to fruition and materialize is phenomenal. But how many of us have had the experience where we have prayed for peace and we are still anxious and stressed? How many of us have prayed for healing and the healing has not come? How many of us have prayed for relationships to be reconciled and there is still no reconciliation? We have attempted to push and nothing has happened. And that can be disheartening and disorienting and many times can actually cause people to lose hope and to lose faith. What if prayer, like many of us have been taught, is not so simple as this conditional type of exercise. And if you do this, then God will do this. 
Maybe it's much more deeper than that. Maybe it's much more expansive than that. What if God is calling us into her presence to simply be connected and be at peace and know that no matter what happens, we can trust in God? What if prayer changes the path that we are on, the journey that we are prioritizing to a shift in perspective and purpose, giving us renewed hope? Reverend Jackie Lewis, author, activist, pastor of Middle Church, says these words, we are not powerful enough to control God with our prayers, but we are loved enough for God to treat us as a partner in this life. Imagine us putting our faith and trust in God to the point where we can simply trust and believe that God is treating us as a friend and as a partner on this journey we call life. You know, I adore looking at parents who have small children and they'll be taking a walk even in my bil uh, either in my building or I live near a rail station and they'll be walking in the train station. And there are many times when the parents just let the child walk on whatever path and journey they want to. Now the child knows that the parent is near and close in view, but the parent allows that child to wander. But then when the child continues to go the wrong way, what the parent does is hold on to the child and redirects the child's path so that the child doesn't get hurt in attempting to go the wrong way. The child looks up and sees that they are comfortable and safe in their parents, with their parent, holding their parent's hand, and they continue to journey on. And I feel that that's the way it is with God. Now, God is always with us no matter what path we choose, but sometimes we're prioritizing things and God might have something else for us, a way that we can continue to strengthen our faith, maybe in a slightly different path. Maybe God wants us to see something a slightly different way. And then we look up through prayer and see God beckoning us and calling us to a different space and place that we may have never even dreamed of. When I think about my life as someone who is heterosexual, someone who grew up in very conservative faith-based spaces, I think about how I have come to be a co-pastor at an affirming church. And when I think about the journey, I get joy in the journey. But I think about many of the times when I was not affirming and how I continue to pray for God to open up my heart to help me to understand because I felt like I had so many closeted friends, so many people who were worshiping in the same spaces where I was. And I felt that some of their talents and some of their gifts were being exploited because they couldn't be their full authentic self. And that would trouble me. And that would cause me concern. And I 
prayed and I just asked God to continue to open up my mind and just help me understand and help me continue to love. And while I was going one way and prioritizing certain things as it related to my church experience, God led me through being connected with people in the queer community who were out and who were open and who were still connecting with God. It helped me to open myself up so that I could be an ally for this community, so that I could think critically about the type of churches that I wanted to work in, work in and worship in. Would it be a church where people really couldn't be free to be who they are in all of their identities? Or would it be a space such as Forefront, such as so many other churches that are affirming? And I thank God that I'm in the space that I am in now and that we are here and we can all worship with all that God has created us to be. When we, amen. We today can think about how our steps have been ordered by the Lord. Psalm 37 and 23 says, a person's steps are established by the Lord and he takes pleasure in his way. This sounds like a partner taking pleasure in our steps. Gospel artist Fred Hammond wrote these words. Um, he used to sing with a group called Commission back in the day, and then he went out on his own. Um, and he wrote a song called, called Ordered. And it says, when my faith is challenged and my vision is obscured, when I'm hanging on by a thread and my footing unsure, I look to the spirit for one word to help me endure. And that word is ordered. And for me, that simply means being directed by God, even through disappointment and lack of clarity, knowing that God is partnering with us in this life as we continue to live the abundant life through Christ. And I'll be honest. As I opened up my life to more inclusivity and as my path began to change, it became a whole new world and it was refreshing and it was liberating. However, it was painful because the same friends who were on the other path weren't on my new path. When it was time to pivot, they were not willing to pivot with me. So I thank God for opening up the door for more friends and more connections and different experiences. And God truly is at work all around us. And we are to continue to join God in her work on this journey of whatever new path we might be on. My former pastor, uh, Nancy Butler, passed away some years ago from ALS. And Nancy was amazing. And I speak about her quite a bit. She started Riverfront Family Church in Hartford, Connecticut. And while many people were praying for her healing, myself included, Nancy told people that if they wanted to pray for her healing, that was perfectly fine. She knew that she served a big God and God was able to heal her. However, that really wasn't her path. Her prayers really weren't necessarily for healing. Her prayer was that she would be able to live a full life while she was on this earth. She confronted her ALS 
she acknowledged what she had and she wanted to be able to do certain things in her life so that she would not leave this earth having things undone. So while she invited people to pray for her, she encouraged people to journey with her essentially as she knew she was dying, as painful as that was. So her path led her to uniquely encourage others through newspaper articles that were in the Hartford Current, that's the major newspaper there. She would be on NPR, on radio shows encouraging people. She wrote her biography. And in her last visit to the church, she informed the congregation that she had made the decision to remove her feeding tube. And this was extremely, extremely painful for the congregation. She wasn't bitter or angry. And she said, after considering my situation over and over again, asking God for wisdom, I kept coming to the same conclusion. I am choosing compassion. So I am filled with peace, resolve, and a last minute surge of energy to pen these words. Nancy caused me to think about a shift in my prayers. I wanted her to live. I wanted her to be healed. However, I also wanted to acknowledge the reality of what was actually happening in her body and the reality that she was dying. This caused a shift in my path where I could try and focus on expressing gratitude for her life and the many ways she was choosing to live her last days. <clears throat> she again expressed her wishes and she let her congregation know one by one how much she appreciated them. So on her last visit to the church, which was probably maybe a few, maybe within a week of her actual death, she said, Riverfront, you are one of a kind. Nancy wrote in her final message, draw your strength from your prayer and fulfill your calling. I love you more than words can hold. Draw your strength from your prayer and fulfill your calling. And that's what we are to do, whether we think we have 20 more years to live or whether it's in a year of our life or a week of our life. Maybe we are to pray, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? And this will give us a new perspective, which can be considered a new path. Maybe we can allow prayer to transform and shift our path in the most unexpected of ways as we journey on our various paths with Jesus and where we will always, no matter what, be able to find fulfillment because we are with the Lord. Let us reimagine pushing, praying until something happens on a new and unexpected path as we experience the beauty of change and transformation through prayer. I close with one more story, and it's a story of an experience that I had yesterday. One of my very, very close friends, someone that I've known since sophomore year of high school, lost her dad. We also went to college together. We attended Syracuse together. We lived together sophomore year. And her father passed away last Saturday. And I spoke to her in the week, and I went to see her father and prayed with him a couple weeks ago. And it was the last time I saw him. And, you know, when she was talking about the arrangements, of course, I said, just let me know what you need me to do. You know, and I'm thinking she's going to tell me, you know, read a scripture or please sing. 
which is, you know, a common ask. And she said, Benita, I want you to do the eulogy. And I was touched. I began to pry, cry. I was deeply, deeply moved. And I said, thank you so much um, for asking. She said, you know my dad. And her dad was someone who was very, very special. And he nicknamed me the Say Hey Kid because I would say hey all the time, which I didn't <laughs> even know. Um, but the funny thing is... Um, uh, the service was really beautiful, and I was able to highlight the fact that, as many of you know, during COVID, um, I started uh, Embrace Church online. It was a virtual faith community, and uh, Mr. Heron actually used to um, come to service, and we actually were able to share a picture of him watching the Zoom at his kitchen table. He was 93 years old, and his daughter, my friend Donna, shared a story and I closed with Donna's words. She said her dad had Alzheimer's. And she said, you know, when she would put her father to bed, she would help him kneel in prayer. And it was a common practice. He would kneel every night before he would go to bed. And um, one night she helped him down. He prayed. He got back up. He forgot he prayed. So she helped him down on his knees again. And then after he prayed, he got up and... <laughs> He wanted to go back on his knees. <laughs> it happened, I don't know, about three times or so. And then she was like, Dad, you already prayed. You're good. I got to get you in bed. And afterwards, she said she reflected on that experience. And she said, you know, that wasn't a bad thing after all. She said, what I got from that experience is no matter what, we can never get enough of prayer. And as we go through this prayer series, I would encourage us, even as we're exploring what prayer means to you, what path you might be on, what path God might be calling you to, I want to encourage all of us to just, no matter what, engage with it and know that we can never, no matter what, get enough of prayer. And the people of God said, amen, amen. So at this time, we want to prepare our hearts and minds for communion. And I invite Cliff to uh, come and join. Um, but I just want to share a few words. Uh, first, for our virtual community, uh, whatever you have to share communion, um, you can do so at this time. Uh, whatever you have, it all honors God. Um, here in Max House, we have uh, small chalices. We have a number of people joining us today for the first time. Woo, woo. Uh, we have these little chalices with gluten-free wafers, and we have alcohol-free juice um, so that our children can partake and to be in solidarity with those who are in recovery. Um, so at this time, we uh, will be handing out the communion. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.